This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Uh, If you turn in your Bibles, please, to Hosea chapter 12. Hosea chapter 12, we're going to... There's a wonderful book, the, the book of Hosea. Is, it's, uh, it's just tremendous. It's, uh, we can almost call this book the heartbeat of God because this is God's heart beating at a rapid pace for his people, Israel, and his longing for them to return, to come back, to not face the judgment that they have uh, caused themselves to be slated towards. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your book of Hosea. Thank you, Lord, for giving it to us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit opening it to us now, which we, whom we depend on. In Jesus' name, amen. Hosea chapter 12. Ephraim feedeth on wind and followeth after the east wind. He daily increaseth lies and desolation. They do make a covenant with the Assyrians, and oil is carried into Egypt. The Lord hath also a controversy with Judah and will punish Jacob according to his ways, According to his doings, will he recompense him? He took his brother by the heel in the womb, and by his strength he had power with God. Yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept, made supplication unto him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spake with us. Even the Lord God of hosts, the Lord is his memorial. Therefore, turn thou to thy God, keep mercy and judgment, wait on thy God continually. He's a merchant, the balance of the seat are in his hand. He loveth to oppress. And Ephraim said, yet I am become rich. I have found me out substance in all my labors. They shall find not iniquity in me that were sin. And I that am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt will yet make thee to dwell in tabernacles as in the days of the solemn feast. I have also spoken by the prophets and I have multiplied visions and used similitudes by the ministry of the prophets. Is there iniquity in Gilead? Surely they are vanity. They sacrifice bullocks in Gilgal. Yea, their altars are as heaps in the furrows of the fields. 
And Jacob fled into the country of Syria, and Israel served for a wife, and for a wife he kept sheep. And by a prophet the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt, and by a prophet was he preserved. Ephraim provoked him to anger most bitterly. Therefore shall he leave his blood upon him, and has reproached the Lord, his Lord return unto him. It's a terrible, terrible thing when God the Father finds himself in the position to have to protest against his own children, his own people, Israel. And we saw this in the, in the last chapter, that, the chapter before this, chapter 11, when God called Israel his child. He called him his child. He, the child that he loved and called Israel his son. When it says in verse 1 of the previous chapter, Hosea 11, 1, when Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. That was such a tender statement by God, so warm from the heart. When God just sort of reminisced, he, he reminisced about how wonderful it was when God saw Israel just as a little one, just as a child, and God was, he loved him, he was thinking about this, and it, and it was such a wonderful time when God called Israel, his son, out of Egypt. And we can never get over what God said to Pharaoh about Israel when he, when he did that, he, and he said in Exodus 4.22, Exodus 4.22, thus saith the Lord, Israel's my son, even my firstborn. That's you, Caleb, you're the firstborn. And that was the time when God stood up for and he fought for Israel. No father wants to protest against his own children. Every father wants to, to, to be proud of his children. No father wants to be ashamed of his children. Every father wants to be proud of his children. Every father wants to tell others about the great things that his children have done, that his child has done. Just like when we see God doing that for his child, Job. And, and, and when God said to, 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 to Satan, he bragged about Job in Job 1.8, Job 1.8, and the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There's none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and eschewest evil. No child wants to, to hear his father say things like what we've just read in verse 1 here. In verse 1, Hosea 12, 1, if, if Ryan feedeth on wind, it follows after the east wind, he daily increaseth lives and desolation. But God had to do it, and God was grieved for his son Israel, and God was mourning for his son Israel, and God longed for the day when his son Israel would, as it says in verse 6, verse 6, turn thou to thy God. But here in chapter 12, that day has not come yet. And so God tells Israel what their sin is, as he says it, as, as in the first verse, sin, feeding on the wind, just imagine how, what that's like. What is that? Feeding on the wind. Just imagine yourself. You're hungry, very hungry, you know, today. We, we just heard in the prayer request that, you know, his father can't eat burgers. Who doesn't like burgers? Oh, that's a real tough one, not being able to eat, but this big, satisfying burger. Give you that warm, full feeling inside, you know. You, so you imagine yourself, you're really hungry. You think about your but You want to eat a burger, you can't, okay. So you go outside instead, it's a windy day. And so you close your eyes and you open your mouth till the wind fills your mouth and you imagine you're eating that big juicy burger. And the wind's filling your mouth and you bite down and you imagine you're biting into that freshly baked 
red, that bun, and you're biting into that leaf of lettuce, not too much, stuna, and into that thin slice, not too big, of tomato. You don't want it competing with the hamburger. And then into that thinly sliced onion. It's not an onion burger, it's a burger. It's just a thin one there. And then that perfectly cooked beefy burger with the juices running out into the bun and the cheese. It's such a sin. And, and, you, and, you, and you imagine you're, you're, you get your mouth full of this wind and you're chewing it and you're savoring it. It's all in your imagination. There's no burger. It's just wind because you filled your mouth with wind. And the next, uh, uh, and, 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 and this imaginary burger is it. You're eating it, but you're not. It's a fantasy. It's not really there. You smile as you take those imaginary bolts because it's a nice, juicy burger that you're imagining what Genevieve's dad can do. But it's all a dream. It's not true. It's just, you're just hungry. You, when you finish, you're just as hungry after as when you started on that imaginary because it's imaginary. It's a meal based on hope without any substance. There's no burger there. This is what God said his people were doing in verse 1. Ephraim feedeth on the wind. The wind is baseless hopes. Baseless hopes. Like the hope that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a good person. It's just a hope that when I die, that God's going to accept me into heaven because I'm a righteous person feeding on the wind. It's a hope that I don't need Christ dying for my sins to go to heaven. I'm good. I'm not a dirty, rotten sinner like others, feeding on the wind. It's like closing your eyes and imagining that what you want is going to happen because you want it. It's just a meal feeding on the wind. Just imagine those who die in their sins without taking Jesus Christ without doing what that hymn said we just told us to do. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling to you and to me, come home, come home. But just imagine, uh, as the hymn goes on to say, why should we keep him waiting? Why should we linger any further? But imagine a person who does keep him waiting, who does linger as time rolls out, as the hymn said, deathbeds are coming. And they die in their sins without taking Jesus Christ as their Savior, convinced that they're going to wake up in heaven, feeding on the wind, baseless hope, only to find out they fed on the wind, they wake up on the wrong side of hope. And Daniel 12.2, Daniel 12.2, many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Two groups of people, both groups of people die. One group wakes up in heaven to everlasting life. They didn't feed on the wind. They took Jesus Christ as their Savior, and the other group wakes up in hell to everlasting shame and contempt. Did anyone in that second, did everyone, I guess I should say, did everyone in that second group die 
and know that they would wake up in hell? No, certainly not. Most did not. Most in that second group had the hope of waking up in heaven, but they were wrong. They fed on the wind because they were feeding on the wind. They smiled as they ate that imaginary hamburger, but there was no hamburger. It was a lie that they were going to go to heaven without Christ. What happened? Verse 1, verse 1, he daily increaseth lies. That lie that I don't need Christ to go to, to be in good standing with God, that's a lie. And as a result, God was forced to, verse 2, verse 2, the Lord will punish Jacob according to his ways, according to his doings, will he recompense him. That's a horrible thing to have to pay for our own sins. It's horrible. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be recompensed for all my sins. That's why the Lord Jesus described when he said in John 8, 24, John 8, 24, I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am, you shall die in your sins. Die in your sins? What's that? That's what happens to every person who did not fall before the Lord Jesus Christ as God and gladly receive the gift of that perfect Passover sacrifice for them. Perfect Passover lamb. And God so much does not want that to happen to any person, especially his children, the Jewish people. He's, God is kind. God is compassionate. He is, 2 Peter 3, 9, 2 Peter 3, 9, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God knows that all people have sinned and are heading straight down the middle of the road to hell, but God loves all people. Therefore, God, in 1 Timothy 2, 4, God will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. And especially in this chapter, God wants his people, the Jewish people, Israel, to be saved from hell. And so God slowly walks Israel through the history, their history, of their father, Jacob. So that the Jewish people, the Israel, can see how they need to follow in the same path that Jacob followed in his life when he became Israel. He wasn't born Israel. He was born again Israel, but he was born Jacob. And so God starts in the history of Jacob in the beginning. Can't get much earlier than in the womb. And that's where God starts. God starts with Jacob in the womb of his mother, <coughs> who was Rebekah. And God said, about that time when Jacob was in the womb, in verse 3, verse 3, he says, he took his brother by the heel in the womb. Now, Rebekah was pregnant with twins, and Jacob and Esau were inside of her during her pregnancy, and there was such a fight that went on inside of her belly, in her womb, that she went to the Lord about it. It's the only time in Genesis that we have a history of Rebekah going to God in prayer. It took this. It says in Genesis 25, 22, Genesis 25, 22, the children struggled together within her. 
And she said, if it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb. Two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. The one people shall be stronger than the other people. And the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment. And they, they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out and his hand took hold on Esau's heel. Boy, that must have been something to see. I don't know if I'd like to see that or not. Sounds pretty bloody. But that's what happened. God told Rebecca that in her womb were twins that could not be physically more close to each other. They shared the same womb, but they might be twin brothers. They might even have been identical twins. I don't know, but they could not have been more different from each other as God called them two manner of people. And God used the Hebrew word le'om, le'om, for manner of people. It means two communities, two different communities. And so God was telling Rebecca that in her womb were two different peoples. Every person in this world, every person in this room today is a part of one of these two basic groups of people. Just like when the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified, so significant it was that his position was so important that it was called out in Matthew 27, 38, Matthew 27, 38. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. It could not be more graphic. There were two thieves crucified with the Lord Jesus. One thief is crucified on the right side of the Lord and the other is crucified on the left side of the Lord. Every person in earth, every person in this room today is like one of those two thieves. Both the men were thieves. There was no question about it. They were dirty, rotten sinners that deserved death. As one thief said it so well in Luke 23, 40, Luke 23, 40, he said, one thief said to the other thief, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. Stipulation, no question. Thieves, sinners, worthy of death, condemnation. All people are represented by these two men crucified with the Lord. Both of these two men were thieves. Both of them had sinned. Both were condemned for their sins. Both have deserved what they got, judgment. That's true of every person on earth because the Bible says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. The difference between those two thieves is that one said, in Luke 23, 39, Luke 23, 39, one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, if thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. One of those thieves had no use at all for Christ. 
He mocked Christ. He mocked him, made fun of him. He didn't believe that Jesus was God and Savior. Oh, far from it. But that was one thief, and that was not true of the other thief. The other thief was just the opposite in Luke 23, 42. Luke 23, 42. He said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said, just to him. Jesus said, not to the other. Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. The other thief called Jesus Lord because he believed Jesus was God. That was the difference. And he asked the Lord, bring me into your heaven. Bring me into your heaven. Because he believed Jesus was the God of heaven, was the Savior. And the Lord brought that thief to heaven with him that day, whereas the other thief was cast into hell. Two crucified thieves, equal distance to the Lord. Equal distance to the Lord that day. They both had the same exposure to the Lord. They both had the same opportunity to repent. They both could have received Jesus as God and Savior. One decided to mock Jesus as Lord. One decided to be the he came unto his own and his own received him not. The other decided to worship Jesus as God. The other decided to as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. And those two thieves were like Jacob and Esau. Those two thieves were two manner of people. Those two thieves were members of two opposite communities of people. One community of people mocks Christ and has no use for Jesus as God and Savior. And the other community of people needs Jesus, worships Jesus as God and Savior. And just as there was a conflict between those two thieves on the crosses there, those two thieves on Mount Calvary that day were fighting each other. And just as there was that conflict when it says in Luke 23, 40, Luke 23, 40, but the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? So there was a conflict between Jacob and Esau in the womb, two babies in the womb in conflict with each other, a struggle that terrified their mother, Rebekah, during her pregnancy, saying, what is going on? Because these are two communities of people, because Esau was the firstborn. Because he was the firstborn, he had the right to inherit the blessing of his father Isaac. To do what? Carry on the name of Isaac. Carry on the, 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 the worship that Isaac had for the God of Isaac. Carry on the service that Isaac had for the God of Isaac. Carry on the blessings from the God of Isaac. That was Esau's birthright. But when Esau looked at his right to carry on the worship and the service of God, Esau said, yuck, I don't value it. I don't see that birthright of worship and serving God as any value at all, worthless to me. And when Esau was hungry, he traded that birthright for a bowl of soup. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.